0: It is our last week of Theology 101. Uh, I've, had, I've had a good time uh, preaching way over the amount of time I'm supposed to for this whole series. I believe Pastor Craig did as well. Uh, we've talked about the Trinity, which is one of the real foundations of what we believe as Christians. And we talked about the different covenants we find in Scripture. Last week, we got to talk about heresy. That was kind of fun. So we talked about heterodoxy and kind of why that matters, why right doctrine matters. Today, i can to talk about my favorite subject. The gospel. That's why we're here. We're here because of the gospel. That Jesus is good news. Now, if I were to ask you all right now, if you, if you could say in two sentences, I could tell you what the gospel is. Raise your hand. Y'all are smart. You're like, no, uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to make you do it. And so I wanted to talk about the gospel. I, but the funny thing was, I'm like, I'm going to write this message. We're going to talk about the gospel. And that sounds simple. And then the more I'm thinking about it, I'm like, this is actually pretty complicated. It's simple in some ways to explain, but also there's a lot to it. And there's a lot of like nuances and and. and details and misconceptions. Because, like, when I say the word gospel, as someone who enjoys theology, so I'm a theology nerd, I think, like, okay, well, gospel could be referring to the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which are the recordings of what Jesus said to us and what Jesus did in his ministry recorded by, by, by those four apostles. So, like, the gospel is in there, and Jesus talks in those about the gospel of the kingdom. When we also think of the gospel, for many of us, that's what, one of the things they, they said toward the end of that video. Salvation by grace through faith. It's one of the hallmarks of the Protestant Reformation. Was that, we, hey, we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. And no, there's nothing that any man does that affects our salvation. But also... When talk about the gospel and what Jesus talks about and some of the other stuff in scripture, we see in the gospel, part of the gospel is that Jesus is king, that he's won the battle for us, that we're slaves no more because of what Jesus did on the cross. The gospel that saves us also is the gospel that teaches us that Jesus is Lord, and you are not. And so when I was thinking about this message, and, and kind of the, trying to get, do I want to get did a certain theological ah? It's like what? What's the gospel? My answer to you today is yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, gospel. The gospel is the recorded words and actions of Jesus proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel is salvation by grace through faith, and the gospel is that Jesus is King. Yes, and it's all good news. I'm going to read some snippets from 1 Corinthians 15, which is probably my favorite chapter in the Bible. I'm not going to read my favorite verse in it, but I'm, I want to hit a couple of things because Paul is talking to this church, and if you don't know a whole lot about the letter of 1 Corinthians, a guy named the Apostle Paul is writing a letter to a church in a place called Corinth, and they were... Kind of messing it all up. First Corinthians is like Paul coming into this church and be like, "Look, you bunch of nutter butters. This is how you're supposed to do this. This is what you're supposed to believe. Hey, by the way, don't do that. Hey, you're taking communion wrong. Don't do that." He's he's really kind of correcting this church, trying to get them back in line. Because Corinth was a city known for some hard partying. And they were kind of taking that into their church and doing a lot of things in excess. But he says this, he says, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel you were saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you have believed in vain. For what I received... I passed on to you as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, which is Peter, and then to the Twelve. And after that, Jesus appeared to more than 500 of their brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also, as to one abnormally born. I love Paul. Because so many things he says, like, resonates with me. Um, But I I love that when he's talking about the gospel to the church in Corinth, he jumps right to Jesus' death and resurrection. That's why it's so important when we talked about Trinity and we talked about heterodoxy and these covenants to understand why it's so important that we know why Jesus is the Son of God and what that means. And what does it mean that he died? And what does it mean that he rose? And by the way, it matters that he physically rose. And Paul's kind of getting that point across. He's saying, Hey, Jesus, he, he was raised on the third day, and he appeared to hundreds of people, saw the risen Jesus. And when you read the Gospels, you, you, you get to read that these people ate with Jesus. So Jesus wasn't just a spiritual resurrection, he's had a physical body. He ate with them, that they could feel the nail holes in his, in his arms. He bodily rose from the dead. And he says in the first verse, I want to remind you of the gospel that I preached to you, which you received, and he says, and on which you have taken your stand. Because oftentimes, the gospel is preached a little bit as a get out of hell card, and people believe in it, but they don't take a stand on it. Because the, the part of this that's, hey, it's salvation by grace through faith. We, 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 do, we do nothing to earn or deserve the gospel. To, nothing to earn or deserve salvation. It is a free gift given to us. But it's a free gift that when we receive that changes us and transforms us. And we enter into a world where I stop being king of my life because I was screwing it all up and I was broken and dying in sin. And I turn it all over to Jesus and say, now you are king, you are in charge. And here you, you see that the Corinthian church has not just received the gospel, but they've taken their stand on it. Now, this is a letter to a church that's kind of messed up, and they need a little bit of help. But yet, in the midst of this whole Roman Empire, where Christians are getting to be killed for what they believe, they've taken their stand on the gospel. And they're getting their doctrine a little messed up. So later on, I, I, Paul, Paul doubles down on the resurrection in this passage. He says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there's no resurrection of the dead? If there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So when we talk about the gospel, when we talk about the theology behind the gospel. We have to understand that it's not just that Jesus rose from the dead; it's that there is going to be a resurrection of the dead. Unfortunately, too many of us uh, get our theology from, like the Far Side. Who's read right the Far Side? Gary Larson. You got angels with clouds and harps up in heaven. Sometimes there's cows. Gary Larson's weird. And we think eternal life is about that someday, and we talked about this a little bit last week, we talked about Gnosticism, that flesh is bad and spirit is good, and that, how that's a heresy, that this, this is good because God made it, and God's going to redeem it. An important part of the gospel is the resurrection of the dead. That's why it made it into the apostles and the Nicene Creed. In the early church, it was important that everyone understand that we're, when we're absent in our body— it's Bible teaches us we're present with the Lord. So at some point, either Jesus will return or this will fail. Yours will too. Death rate's still one per person. I don't know if you knew that. And when that happens, because I believe in Jesus, I will be present with him in spirit. But someday, this body that was perishable will be raised unperishable. There will be a final resurrection of the dead. And we get bodies back. For a lot of people, when we talk about eternity. That's a little bit of a a, a shocker to them because we think of heaven as being a place where we are in spirit. But the Bible teaches that God is redeeming and restoring creation. That's a part of the gospel. A new heavens and a new earth. That everything that was broken and Eden is going to be restored and made whole. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. So he concludes this chapter talking about the gospel that they've received, the gospel that they stand on, that Jesus rose, died for us, rose from the dead, was, re- was resurrected, that we're going to be resurrected. He says this, Therefore, and Pastor Craig, what would your Bible college pastor tell you you need to do when you see a therefore? Ask what it's there for. I didn't ask you, Harvey. (laughs) If you're new to Element Church, we're all kind of friends here. Uh, Therefore, in light of all this gospel truth, My dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself faithfully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor for the Lord is not in vain. When I think of the gospel and everything that goes around it, my challenge for us to consider is this right here. Do I stand firm in the gospel? Or even though I, maybe I've believed the gospel, am I really standing somewhere else? Is everything in my life gospel-centered? Or... Do I sometimes get that out of alignment? And I've my life on my own strength, my own abilities. Do I center my life on, on my kids? Do I center my life on, on my job? Which, believe me, the pastor job, you can, you can put that over the gospel because it, it turns into a job sometimes. It's hard. What is my life focused on? What is my life centered on? So I'm going to tell you a little bit about my week this week. Did you guys have a good week? Mm-hmm. That's not good. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, this week was awful, Pastor. Well, it's okay. My... Uh, so as, as Craig alluded to, uh, a, a good friend of, my, uh, of mine, Nick Poole, uh, who pastors Calvary Church in Irwin, uh, his dad passed. Uh, but the pools are kind of like extended family for us. So I spent a lot of time this week with Nick. I spent a lot of time at West Penn Hospital in the ICU. Uh, and with Sharon, uh, Paul's, Paul's wife, who's our, the girls' ministries director for our district. And spent time with Paul, uh, a little bit of time when he was still intubated, and then after, after he decided he wanted to take out all this stuff Uh, I was there with him, too. And sometimes when you're face-to-face with death, it makes you think a little bit, right? I think most of us have experienced some kind of loss in our life where we can empathize, where where we've had to go through someone we care about dying. And this really, when I was writing this message and thinking about the gospel, this, this really stood out to me. Because I remember right after they took out the intubation tube, if you don't know what that is, that's like a tube that goes into your lungs to help you breathe. And they took all the stuff off of him because he had decided, you know what, uh, this is, it wasn't working anyway. He had, he had lymphoma, really bad cancer. And I was in there a little bit later talking with Pastor Paul. He couldn't really talk. If you've been intubated, you can't, you can't really talk afterwards, not for a while. I was joking with them a little bit. I was talking with them and just telling him, you know, stuff. The kind of stuff you say to somebody when you know they're only going to be around for a little bit longer. And pretty much the whole time, Pastor Paul smiled at me. And all I all I could think about when I was I was sitting here on, on Thursday and on Friday and was how how amazing that it's the end when you know it's the end because you don't always get to have that time to think about it sometimes you die quickly but sometimes if you have an opportunity you you can get, you're, sitting there, you're contemplating your own death and I'll tell you what I believe in the resurrection I believe in the gospel death's kind of scary. I don't. It isn't always, but there there are times where I think about it and I'm like, ooh. But and and this is really what I heard from all of his family too. That he was just talking, people talking to him, was just smiling. Why? You're dying. Pastor Paul smiled on his deathbed because he had been dead for a long time. The gospel challenges us as we believe in Jesus and as He saves us. Well, Jesus also tells us that we have to pick up our own cross and follow Him. When we do the ritual of baptism, where where you go into the water and you come out, well, that all all the time you can talk about that. That symbolizes death to myself and new life in Christ. Pastor Paul could smile in the hospital, because he had been dead for a long time. He had given his life completely over to Jesus, and he had run as Paul, Paul talks about this in another part, when, he, when Paul knows he's facing death, he says, "Hey, I ran my race. I did it well. I'm going to receive the prize." This man gave his life for the gospel. And in doing so, you would think, like, man, what, it, what did he sacrifice? As many, many times I know, he sacrificed a lot. Any pastor can tell you that through the years you're, you're loved, but you're also hated that you put in effort and sometimes there's a great return and sometimes you put your whole heart and soul into something and it just falls flat. You have good times, you have bad times, you, you have to f- manage your family around all of the demands of ministry. But that man smiled because he was going in to meet Jesus empty. He poured it all out. And although the gospel offers us salvation as a gift, the gospel makes it really easy to come home. The story of the prodigal son, where the son's all messed up, he's eaten with the pigs, and you come home, and then the father embraces him and loves him. And the gospel's like that. Jesus is waiting for you to come home if you don't know him yet you don't believe in him yet, he's calling out to you and he says, I have a life for you. I have a life. You, you, you might have been looking for it for a long time, but what I have to offer you is really, really, really what you were made for. And as the gospel makes it so easy to come home, the gospel also demands we come and die. But here's the trick with that. We think that when we come and die that we are going to lose something we think that this demand of Jesus that he's king that he's lord that we're not that it's somehow going to cause us some sort of a sacrifice and in a sense it does but what we really do when we do that is we find out what we were really put on earth for and how we can really truly be alive which is participating in the mission of Jesus and bring that same new life to others who are hurting and dying and lost without Him. And if you do that, someday you will lay there and you will be at the end of your life and you will smile because the gospel is that good.